Welcome back to Snares Book Prep Uncovered, the podcast where we talk with staff, with pupils and with parents to understand more about life at the school. Now, in each episode, I'm joined by, by Ralph Dalton, head teacher at the school, and together we speak to a guest. So it's a bit of a three way conversation. Now, in this episode, we're speaking to Grant Twist, who is the year six form teacher, but he's also the year five and six English teacher. So we're going to find out lots from him. But first of all, Ralph, how are you today? I'm great, thank you, Simon. Yeah, I'm really, uh, as always, excited to hear somebody talk passionately about teaching. And uh, mm. yeah, yeah. So tell me a little bit about how he can be a year six form teacher, but also teach English to other years. What's that all about? Oh, right. OK, yes. Yeah, so it could be a little confusing. So what we do for maths and English in years five and six is we have one teacher teach those so that there isn't the we don't lose any time between the year five and the year six transition so in a traditional school you'd be taught by a year five teacher Mm -hmm. then the summer holiday would come then you'd move to a new teacher who would have to take some time getting used to you by which time they'd got used to you and you sit the exams in January to avoid that and to keep the continuity we have a teacher specialised in English and a teacher specialised in maths from year five and again that means we're always focused on the end point well the January end point and then the secondary they so they're working with those end points in mind hmm. for two years right right so that's Understood. how that's how it came to be okay all right so he's going to be talking then about about what it's like to be a year six form teacher be great to hear more from him about how he finds that how he finds the children learn and what sort of contributions we get from the children in class as well yeah it's exciting let's uh let's do it okay all right let's bring him in Grant, thank you for being here and welcome to this episode of the podcast. How are you doing today? Thank you for having me, first of all. I'm doing, um, doing really well. I mean, it's, it's Friday, which is always nice to get to the end of the week, particularly knowing that a lot of the learning that we've done for the week, we kind of wrap it up at the end. So it's usually Friday is the day that you know where you find out whether the children have learned what you've been trying to teach them. Usually that's what you hope for. And if not, then you try again next week and you have another go at it. But it's always a happy feeling on Friday because you always feel that you've achieved something that you've started at the start of the week, get to the end and then rinse and repeat for the following weeks after that. So mm. Friday is always a really nice day to get to. So tell us what you can currently see in your classroom. So if I go from looking from sort of left to right in the classroom, I start with history, where we've just finished our history unit on the Middle East, which was a, that was a really fascinating unit, actually. And um, we looked at the golden age of, of Islam in, in the years 700 to 1000 AD. Oh, wow. OK. Which is something I've never, I've never taught it and I've never studied it. And I studied history in that university and, and postgraduate, I have a master's degree in history as well mostly in American, Native American history. So I went westward rather than going eastward with my history. So to go the opposite direction and to see what was happening in the world at a similar time, but somewhere else, was quite remarkable. I think in the world that we're living in today, I think it was a real good eye-opener to challenging certain views that I think perhaps we need to address as society as well I think what better way than to tackle those head-on with the with the children and see what their understanding is and then just give them the facts about it so they can make their own objective viewpoints about um, where societies have grown from and developed from and certainly when we were looking at the unit the children were quite amazed even just by like the fact that our number system comes from Arabic that sort of language yeah so our, our symbols are Arabic symbols or they're they're modified from Arabic symbols so we did, we did a lesson comparing 
comparing the Arabic symbols to our number symbols to see the similarities and differences between them. The other bit's looking at just literature, looking at how how basically they invented the school system that we see today, of the university system that we see today was kind of born in that sort of region of the world. So a lot of a lot of the modern Western ideas that we have were born from this this civilization in particular, or this civilization had a massive influence that was spread west. Whereas we often just think it came from the Greeks and then the Romans stole their ideas from the Greeks and professed it as their own. Actually this golden age of Islam took some of those ideas of the Greeks but developed them further and so there's, there's that stepping stone and I think that's that, that stair that step in the staircase has probably been missed out for whatever reason it has uh, so for me there was a lot to learn there and that's and part of part of my passion for teaching is that I'm always learning every single day of the week uh, even if it's a subject like history that I'd like to think I'm very knowledgeable about and very skilled in. I'm still learning so much more, even finishing my university education, going to the other side of the classroom, I'm continuing that learning process for myself. So there is a sort of selfish reason why I like to teach, but there's the selfless one that I can see that that growth and that confidence growing in the children. And that they, I, I also can see their enthusiasm uh, for a particular subject coming from the, the way that I model that subject or from my enthusiasm towards the subject as well. I've started on, on displays and I've already gone on a tangent to history, but I'll, I'll keep going along the classrooms. That's the history one. I go a little bit to the right and I've just got a what they call the flip charts it's just a flip chart that's um, screwed into the wall so I can change it from time to time and that's my spag flip chart so every time I teach a spag lesson where I teach them a certain skill that they can then start to apply into their writing for creative writing needs or for writing for any purpose sorry Grant I, I think we should just say for the listeners just anybody yes. who doesn't know what spag is <laughs> sorry, just yes. what spag is um, spelling punctuation and grammar it's the nuts and bolts of the of the language system it's the, it's the way we get from a simple word to a phrase to a sentence and then how we make that sentence meaningful using a variety of different techniques i think that's the best way i can summarize it the yes so going going back to it i think we every time i do a spag lesson i always keep what we've learned there so when we're doing the follow-up writing they can look back to that it's there as a resource that they can reflect upon and then change it week by week and i can keep those so i can always refer back to them go forward so every all the learning is kind of saved almost onto like a hard disk in that sense and we've just been looking at how to use colons and semicolons where I debunked the myth that colons are used to start lists and replaced it with the idea that colons are used to expand upon a bit of description and a list is just an example of expanding upon that description Um, but I think when you're lower down that's a bit heavy to, to take on board so we can take that idea and then I challenge it with something that contradicts their notion and then there's the learning process going in that's the sort of approach i usually take to most most subjects is i take what they their understanding is and then i play a bit of devil's advocate with it and get yeah. them to challenge their preconceived ideas yeah yeah i move around the classroom then got the sort of english heavy writing board and the reason for that is for my role as the year five slash year six english teacher that i think will come to a little bit later so a lot of the skills that i like to teach for for reading and writing are all kind of pinboard up there my little personal bit is some of my own creative sentence types that i like to use because they're great show not tell sentences mm-hmm. so they they go a little bit deeper with the description then rather than just giving me this happened this happened then 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 that that 
that children will pick up quite quickly when they want to tell you things that have happened but won't necessarily explore the, th- the running themes throughout that yeah, or okay. showing the characters thoughts and feelings a lot of the time children just lack the the first little push to get them in that direction they have the idea in their head but they haven't got the vocabulary to express it so a little sentence stem just an introduction to a sentence can can just set them off on their way mm-hmm. um, and then as they start to get more confident with those they start to actually expand and apply them and you and manipulate that sentence type in their own ways I have one particular pupil this year that's taken to that almost immediately and is using them to their own effect better than better than I probably could actually and that's always something really nice to see when a child uh, trumps you and does something that even you wouldn't expect as well and that's where I think it comes back to I'm still learning from them as much as they're learning from me yeah then if I go a little bit further around, I've then got my trademark, which is always a map of the world. I'm a firm believer that children need to know where this country is in relation to every other country in the world. And I think the only way they can do that is by showing them a map. I'm also a lover of maps. When I was doing my studies, there was a time I went to the National Archives and I was trying to work out where the different reservations were in Canada and in the United States for where they had removed Native Americans and First Nations peoples onto reservation sites and so I spent a day just looking at archaic maps of Canada and archaic maps of the United States mm. I think I spent like six hours looking through them pinpointing where each one was and Gosh, then looking at where hours. they're where, wow. yeah it was a whole day just looking at them I think people thought I was going a little bit mad because I was just so, so enthusiastic about it's a map wow and it's, and the, the whole map was was the size of one of these each map was bigger than these display boards I have as well mm. and they're all 19th century so very very old delicate pieces of, of material so I wasn't allowed to touch them so it's really interesting to hear that Grant because sometimes people are really into maps because maybe they recognize the area or is the mm. area where they live and and they, they want to see how it changed over time but there you're talking about a completely different region in yeah. history that I'm presuming is somewhere that you didn't live. No, no, I've, I've only ever been to America once. I did a tour of about five or six years ago around mm-hmm. California and Nevada and Arizona to see places like Yosemite, the Grand Canyon, which when I first got there, I said, yeah, it's pretty grand. Uh, it, really, it, des- it deserves the title Grand Canyon because it, that's a place where, where you get to it. Because because you don't see the canyon until you're you're standing over it, the whole area just mm. erupts, and the the viewpoint just suddenly comes from below and then hits you. So when you get to the rim of the canyon and you just see how vast or, or how grand it is, to coin the phrase, mm. I, I was shell shocked at just just how beautiful a landscape it was. I've never really been hit by by nature in such a way that I was when I got to that place. Even when I went to Yosemite mm. National Park, that was marvellous and we went there in the springtime so it's it's a time of year when the snow melts and so the waterfalls are in full effect um, because it changes season by season if you, apparently if you go there in winter time it's very different to autumn and s- summer's not the time to go to the park there's not a, there's not a lot of natural stuff that goes on there but springtime's yeah. a really nice time to see the waterfalls and that was that was amazing sitting over there's a photo I've got somewhere of me sitting over the cliff edge breaking every health and safety hazard there is going but they don't have them in America compared to Britain as a tourist and that was that was amazing to see but it, it wasn't quite as grand as the Grand Canyon right yeah so uh, so yeah going going to that like maps have always interested me and whenever I'm teaching a, a particularly when I'm teaching history or geography I've usually got google maps on in the background because when we're talking about a place it's very abstract and for children if you're talking about you know the Acropolis in ancient Greece you might have a picture of it but actually going onto google maps such a great resource 
going from the world out and zooming into Europe and then zooming into Greece and then zooming into Athens then zooming right onto the Acropolis and then you can go down to the street view so you can see what it really is in life like Uh, it makes it so engaging for the children they're hooked on the screen and this comes to points where I've even we were looking at another topic and I got the the laptops out so the children could could just play with Google Maps and explore going down neighbourhoods and streets from their own cultural heritage so children that came from places in say India or Pakistan they could and they've heard they've not maybe they've not been back to those countries because they're too young Mm. but they've heard stories from their grown-ups and their grandparents I've given them the tools to go and do some some map reading tools but some 21st century map reading tools rather Mm. than just using the old-fashioned atlas which there's still a time and a place for getting the modern technology out the iPad or the laptop and having them explore a map in that way is far more useful for where they're going to be when they when they become adults and they're needing to use that technology to problem solve and get around their own days as well but also there was that cultural bit so they could go back and actually see the places or see the see the the streets that their parents grew up in as well and I just thought there was a very personal history to that that you you can't really teach formally it's more of an organic or fluicious sort of learning about their own their own identity and then they're sharing that with their friends and they're building up so many of their social skills and their confidence and their self-esteem is growing because they're talking about themselves to others and they're showing a sense of pride in who they are as an individual that's the sort of learning that I think can get neglected in the classroom where we're just teaching maths or English because we're just teaching important skills but this is about teaching children who they are and where they fit into the world as well and also that they do fit into the world no matter who they are so there's some very like poignant bits and that's just come from from my love of maps which is again going off a real tangent the last display board is is one that we would when i first got introduced to the class and it was looking at just acts of kindness, random acts of kindness. And so we kind of we we discussed together what that would look like, and then we made some posters about that. So ways in which we could encourage kindness um, in and around the school, whether that's a classroom, corridors, playground, but also in and around the world as well. So something where the children were taking ownership of the sorts of acts of kindness that they would want to see, they would want to receive, and therefore they would they would be prepared to give as well. So that's the display boards around my classroom. So it's quite a, a wide varying range of things and sort of dead straight in front of me are all the maths resources as well, So um, which is really handy to have. Yesterday I taught a science lesson on light and um, needed some protractors, so it's very handy that all the protractors were there on hand so I could turn, turn the science lesson and into a practical maths lesson there and they mm. could see some links between oh this is this is why angles are important because we can see how light mm. travels and when it reflects and and the the laws of reflection there were coming into play um, and making making some seemingly abstract learning very very tangible and very very relevant as well to their own lives and something that's just sparking their curiosity they particularly liked it when i put a red lens over the torch and suddenly the light was red and they were even they were very perplexed when i put a red green and blue lens over the torch and the, the light disappeared and they couldn't understand mm. at first they, they were quite they couldn't understand why that was until we what did they it. think was going to happen before you put that over some thought that the light would return to white again which was okay compl- which was a great scientific thinking mm. and i yeah. applauded them because i could understand the logic and they explained that they thought well if it's if it's letting the red light red lens lets red light through green lens lets green light through blue lens lets blue light through then putting all three lenses will let each colour of light through and it makes Mm. complete sense I thought that's Mm. absolutely Mm. spot on logic it's so great it's so wonderful 
that you're going to find out that you're wrong because you're going to learn so much from that and you're going to and and like you've done a little giggle there you're not going to feel shamed by being wrong but you're actually going to be surprised and more curious as to why you were wrong and so the focus isn't isn't now on being wrong but it's on huh that's not what I was expecting so my prediction Mm. wasn't what I was expecting and then you start to explore that why further and so all of those thinking skills are being used there without the child even realising you've almost Mm. gamified the learning in a sense because you've started with just playing with a torch and then suddenly you've narrowed them in on this concept um, in a seemingly natural way that they weren't anticipating and now they're, they're in control of it Grant this is really good to hear because quite often we hear that that the great way for children to learn is through quote unquote failing and that's a really good example of where someone can get something wrong and learn in a much better way than if they'd got it right because I mean if they'd got it right then that's one good thing but you know they they took the right thought process they came up with the wrong answer and now they'll apply that same thought process to understand how the right answer came about yeah I think as well when when someone gets the answer right they stop thinking about why it's right they think I got it right yeah. so that's all what matters and so the focus is lost on the where where the sort of current buzzword is about mastery or that deep understanding of why something is what it is the the mm. focus becomes on the what and not the why mm. I like to always go back to the why I find it particularly interesting when you get those really really able kids it's usually in something like maths and they can give you they can just reel off their times tables they can reel off all of the all of the answers to say um, multiplying fractions or something like that and then you say how did you know that and they haven't got the vocabulary to talk through their thinking and I think there's the gap that can be plugged and so I have an opportunity there to slow that slow them down and that's where things like the self-esteem and the confidence can come in because if you can if you can verbalize a concept so abstract as multiplying fractions then you could probably you're probably going to be quite good at talking about your feelings or your emotions as well if you're having a really bad day you're probably going to be quite good at being able to focus on what it is that's making you feel that way and if you're problem solving in maths then you'll probably be able to use those sorts of thought skills in your own life when when say you're going through hard times or good times as well or you can be a supportive friend to someone who's who might not have those sorts of skills embedded in them as well gosh you're clearly passionate about what you do there tell me what it is about year six in particular that you enjoy teaching for me so i started teaching in year three and I've only ever worked my way up the year group since. That's not necessarily through choice. I did want to go from from year three to year five because I, I wanted the challenge that comes with the, I don't want to call it the tougher stuff, I call it the deeper stuff because you're not really learning, you're not really learning anything new when you get from year three, year four, year five and year six, you're just learning more of it and you're just learning it more deeply. And I wanted to go a bit deeper with, with that sort of learning. And I try not to call it. I try not to call it me teaching, but me supporting them with the learning in that way. Because I think it's it's a, the ownership should be on the children doing the learning, and me just facilitating that. I think I, I, I'm very conscious of that vocabulary. Of if it's teaching, it sounds a lot like dictating, and just telling them what they need to know in order to pass a test or this, that, or the other. But actually, I think there's a lot more to there's a lot more to life than passing tests. And if you get that that deeper understanding and those those thinking skills through, then you can apply that 
to pass a test or to know which bus you need to get so you can get somewhere on time and it, those sorts of real life skills come into it so I, I wanted to go, go into the higher year groups because I could get to those deeper deeper levels that are expected there but also what's quite nice in a primary school setting when you get to year six in particular is the child's at the end of that journey and you're receiving the culmination of all of the really hard work that your colleagues have put in so in a sense most of the hard work is is done because the the good standards that the you know from from your lower foundation through to your reception years and your key stage one and your lower key stage two the teachers there have done such good work that you kind of get the reward you kind of get the you, you're getting the cherry on top in so to speak but also you're you're kind of polishing off you're doing the finishing touches making sure that that child is as ready for the next phase in their life as they can be and for me that's a really pivotal point when the child's in year six they're at a turning point in their life because they're going from the end of one era and they're starting the new phase in their life there and so there's a real there's a the real unique opportunity to get them secondary ready that involves a lot more than than just teaching them you know, those, those reading writing and numeracy skills that they do need but also about those coping mechanisms or those coping skills when they get to a new environment especially if they've been they've they've spent six or seven years in one place working their way around each and every classroom in that building and they're now going to go from in this case quite a small place to a very very big place to a very very different environment where they've they have been a big fish in a small pond and they're now going in they're now going to be a small fish in you know an ocean by contrast yeah yeah ralph let me just ask you a question on that how do you find that the children are once they leave snaresbrook prep and go on to a much bigger school those that you keep in touch with through their parents or, or by whatever means how do you find they usually cope with that transition from a small prep school to a much bigger senior school we i mean most the pupils that i've ever spoken to have always said uh, the only thing they ever worry about is where the lockers are is the example i tend to give and i don't think that makes too much of a difference whether you've come from you know through the school or whether whichever school you've come from i think children always worry about where the lockers are and where they're going to find the language labs but I think that, and again, the thing that comes across when you ask them why, you know, why is this? They say, well, because we're confident. Being that, I mean, I'm not sure, you know, I'm not sure I would use use the analogy of a, a fish in a pond, you know, because I guess that fish, fish of all sizes live in the ocean very, very happily, don't they? What it's about is about being that fully, fully ready. Um, and so we often, it was a parent that suggests, you know, talked about it more like a cake and putting a you know you put the ingredients in the oven and in that warmth and the you know the, the, with the support of the the baking tin and the, you know in that environment the, the cake begins to rise and when it's fully ready and you remove it then then the cake stays whole you know and uh and is and, and is ready for the next for the next stage of its life obviously hopefully none of our children are going to get eaten as is the <laughs> as is the uh, the fate of the cake, or maybe the cake. No, maybe the fate of the cake is to to go on and contribute positively to our lunch times and our dinner times. But you know, as as our pupils maybe are, we're stretching the analogy. I think a bit scratch the analogy. Scratch the analogy. <laughs> <laughs> Fast forward through this bit, people, if you're listening. 
<laughs> I think to, to add to Ralph's point, one thing I've noticed about the pupils in this school, and, and I've only been here a short time, but where he's saying about confidence, there is a real sense of them being confident in, their, in, in what they know and, and in their own sense of self as well. I think that, that puts them in a really good step and really good preparation point for the next phase when they get to that secondary school as well. I think there's, there's quite a few routines in, that happen here at Snaresbrook that really help to facilitate that. And particularly, we, st- we start getting the ball rolling for that in year five. So they have a lot of time to, to practice certain routines that would be more like in a secondary school. So when they're there, there's not a, a, as big a culture shock. So when, when Ralph's saying the lockers is, is the thing that's worrying them, if that's the thing that's worrying them the most, brilliant because that's a really easy problem to fix you're you know they'll be mm-hmm. they'll be pointed where the locker is and that's all <clears throat> that's all that their worries sorted and that's done. Um, yeah, yeah and, that, and that's the and then they can then then they're happy to to go about their day as per normal again and i think that's you know the thing mm-hmm. you know grant spoke about them taking ownership and them wanting to learn and that's one of the biggest steps as you move up the age range in education it becomes the onus falls more and more on you and those pupils that succeed are those that want that have that curiosity and want to learn more Mm. and again that's what we're you know trying to foster all the way through the school Mm. so I think yeah I think that's yeah this is all this is all very good to hear Grant I'm conscious of time I'm conscious that you're going to have children coming back into your classroom soon and no doubt you've probably got a bit more admin to get through before they return (laughs) but I just want to say thank you for being here thanks for sharing all of this with us for for explaining how your classroom looks but not just from a uh, a Tetris point of view although I do love (laughs) that uh, visualization but also from those wall displays and what that Mm. means for the way that you're teaching the children it's great to hear your Mm. passion and enthusiasm for for what you do in school so thank you very much yeah thanks Grant it's been uh, I'm I'm sure it's going to be eye-opening or ear-opening mind-opening for all those listening I really hope so yeah and I hope it it helps whoever's listening whether it's whether it's pupils or parents or just just anyone who's who's interested in in what we do here just why why we do what we do and the value of it and the purpose of it and then also the impact that has on on pupils not just academic progress but also the the development of their sense of self as well i'm sure it will thank you thank you grant you're welcome so ralph that was grant that's clearly someone who enjoys doing his job i think there's no denying that how long has he been at the school i didn't even ask him that grant's been with us since the start of the 2021 academic year Okay, relatively new then. Very new, yes. Yes, at the time of recording, relatively new. I loved, I loved his uh, geographical tour of his teaching. We went round his classroom with the display boards. Yeah, yeah. And but in each one of those, you got a, an insight into what's important and what we're trying to do here, and the passion, and also just I think the work we've done over the last couple of years. I don't know if it came across in terms of cultural diversity and highlighting you know the rich history and where things have come from which has been overlooked Mm. you know to date if you like but it's great to get as you say the the sort of the unpacking of his classroom and sort of it was almost like an an interactive advent calendar wasn't it in a classroom where (laughs) each area of the classroom told its own story yeah and I think that's what you know I think actually our display boards often do do that you know they they do we, we have display boards to represent each area of learning 
And sometimes those display boards are there to support children. So you heard Grant talk about his sentence starters. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they're there to archive learning so that to help recall, because obviously part of learning you need to, you know, remember what you've learned about it previously. So it's Mm -hmm. there, easily accessible. You can just glance at it, recall it. And sometimes they're there to celebrate work. Yeah, it was it was uh, it was it was a lovely, lovely approach to hearing somebody talk about their teaching by taking a tour of their room. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. What was your biggest takeout from that? I really enjoyed listening to Grant explain how we try and encourage children to learn. So he he used the word what did he what did he call it? He said he said I like to challenge their current understanding. So you know we 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 tend he described it as you don't learn anything new when you revisit subjects so it's like this spiral we keep coming back to something but you can you can spiral up if you like or spiral down you know whether you're digging deeper or mm. you know learning more by going up but you revisit something and then you challenge your preconceived idea of something and this is again what we talk about schema so you need you need an idea of something to put a new idea about it on top of mm. so he you know the sort of the example the example I thought worked really well was when he was saying about science and putting the the coloured lenses in front of the torch. Mm, yeah. So they were making a prediction and then something different happened. And that's what you might sometimes hear it references the pit of learning. So the idea is you then do something where they go, oh, in that moment, it then leads to that, you know, that curiosity. Well, why does that happen? Well, why might that happen? What do we know about this? And you have to start using those metacognitive sort of skills and those questions to start unpicking, you know, what you've just, you thought you knew and adding something new to it. And I think it's also, I mean, Simon, at that point, I think you said something like getting it wrong. And I thought, actually, that's a really good point because we often talk about encouraging children to get it wrong. And that's not the same as failure. Mm -hmm. So often I think what where we've been, in our schooling system, you know, historically is we're, we're training children to essentially memorise answers mm-hmm. and then we test them on those answers and if they get them wrong, they have failed. And this perception of wrong equals failure, we are trying to shift in education from you have an understanding of something which is wrong and that leads to new, better, insightful. And that's, you know, Grant was talking, that was one of the things that really sort of that was a, a brilliant example of mm. this idea of actually setting children encouraging children to be brave about making a prediction and then celebrating when they're wrong and saying right well what do we learn from that mm. and I think that's a key skill that builds resilience and that's what we need in life too so yeah that's I think that's one of the things that I'm definitely going to take away well it's really good to get your take on that okay well probably best then if we bring this episode to a close now but Of course, if anyone's listening to this right now and wants to get in touch with the school uh, or to find out more, then just search on social. Probably best just to search for Snares Book Prep. But our next episode is coming out soon. So in the meantime, thank you for listening to this episode. Thank you for listening to Grant and, of course, for listening to headteacher Ralph Dalton. And we'll catch up with you again in the next episode. So bye for now. Bye for now.